Today's SWAPA number is 43. That's the number of SPC committee members and pilot volunteers who will be overseeing 1,000 SWAPA pilots during the June 21st informational ticket. They will be instrumental in ensuring a successfully executed event. So on today's show, we talked to SWAPA Strike Preparedness Committee Vice Chair, John Murphy, and committee member Brian Marin about the committee's purpose, what it takes to pull off a picket of this size, and what's down the road. Delta 1068, turn left, heading 140, runway 22 left, please take off. 140, Chris, take off 22 left, Delta 1068. I'm Amy Robinson. And I'm Kurt Heideman, and here's our interview with John and Brian. All right, so first off, go ahead and introduce yourselves. My name is John Murphy. I'm a captain in Baltimore. Been here 22 years. I was on the Strike Preparedness Committee in 2016 when the picket started. And I'm Brian Marin. I'm a captain in Phoenix. I've been with the company 18 years, been in Phoenix the whole time. And I became involved with SBC just before the pickets uh, began last uh, go round as well. So let's start out with the first question of what does strike preparedness mean? It's uh, kind of a scary name for some people. At this point, the committee is trying to change that perception um, from it being scary. At the very end of a very long and very difficult process, we may be a strike committee. But at this point, we are really a preparedness committee, which is a, a lead up to and to help the union and the membership guide its way through the process that the Railway Labor Act require. So we're really more in the preparation and the support of the board of directors in the union to guide us towards a resolution with the company. So one thing that comes up pretty regularly, this is a strange thing, but explain the difference between a strike and a picket, because I, I literally just had this question like two days ago. It's pretty easy. A uh, strike is when we withhold our services from the company. And that's the final part of it. It's actually it, what it, it represents is the failure of negotiations. Picketing is actually an integral part of negotiations, and all it is is a clear visual demonstration of any union member, but specifically our pilots, dissatisfaction with the quality, the pace, the content of negotiations. It is authorized, it is legal, and safe. When you say it's a, a visual display or a public display, who are we actually trying to communicate with when we're standing out there, when our pilots are holding a picket sign? Who's the audience? Well, there's certainly many audiences. Um, obviously, passengers are the first people that see you because they're driving by. And that's probably why that last question was asked. Are we on strike or are we on picket? Because most people have a week or a movie understanding of uh, what a picket is or what a strike is. So the first audience is, is the passengers. I mean, there's multiple layers to that. The, the other audience would be the, your fellow pilots left and right on the line or the pilots that are out flying. They want to know that you're establishing that level of resolve. There's fellow employees that are on the line. There are those that are involved with negotiations that are perhaps not responding to what the negotiators are doing and uh, talking about in the room as the uh, union does polling and says, no, the pilots really want this. Nego the negotiators in the company can ignore it until we put pilots on the line holding those signs. All those pilots come in on their days off. Free time matters to us. And then the final person would be the institutional investors because they're seeing the ability of pilots to pick it, which is similar to, but nowhere near a strike, but it demonstrates what the pilots are willing to do. So, yeah. So in addition to what John said, we also are getting feedback from directly uh, Jody Revan in the NC 
And um, they are asking us for specific things to help facilitate negotiations and, as it's been put, to, to add some negative pressure. And that really, from our understanding of Jody's perspective, is to try and get past Carl Kowitzki so that the message becomes apparent to those above him in upper uh, management and leadership of the company. So in 2016, we had that thousand man picket in Dallas. And are you guys expecting numbers for this one to top that? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, our initial feedback right now from our registration process is well ahead of where it was last time. Uh, without tying us into specific numbers, uh, we're expecting a thousand plus. I know that initially we were limiting it only to pilots. And can you speak to that? Because now I think we've opened it up to other employees. A lot of it has to do with the permitting process. It's not. It's important that we find out what we can do before we announce the plan for the picket. So the permitting process started over a month ago. And it's important that we get feedback back from the city, from the uh, airport authority, and from the police. And once, once we have a clear picture of what they're going to approve, we slowly started expanding what we thought we could offer. And that first offer always goes um, to our probationary pilots to have a place for them to volunteer. Then it goes to other airline unions. And then we started looking at what family members and uh, other Southwest Airlines employees would want to step up. And we we can barely keep up with the response. Yeah, we had a great, a great number of individual questions. And we intentionally withheld generalized announcements because we did not know where we stood with the picket. As this is uh, building itself out, there are constraints, logistical constraints that are too numerous to go into, but um, moving people and where we're going to be and how we're going to get there. So we have slowly eased into and escalated the uh, invitation process and the acceptance process. So it's actually still ongoing. So what kind of goes into preparing for a picket? You, know, you kind of alluded to permitting just a few minutes ago, but what all was involved there? The initial thing that John mentioned at first, very first, is a permitting from the city and the airport authority, depending on where you're going to be. Once that is secured and there is a general understanding of where our limitations are physically, then you start having to go into the logistics of where do we gather everyone for the initial briefing? Uh, how do we transport people from various locations? We have an entire transportation uh, subcommittee within our, our committee. Then we're looking at all the support staff who are going to staff the picket and help us run it. Uh, we've also got communications that are going to have to go out and are ongoing and, ha and have been this entire process as we lead up to it. John, there's got to be a couple more that you've already thought of. What are they? They're, the list is so long. Handling a an event which is imprecise at best, one that where RSVPs grow from a, an estimate of 600 to 800 and then can swell to 1,000 and then can swell on the invitation list to other Southwest employees and other airlines, as well as family members and spouses. It's it's really the volunteers that are a critical part. To me, that's one of the most integral part. That's why we rely so uh, heavily on Jean Peck with Swapa Family in order that she can coordinate the groups of people that the, the picket line doesn't work unless we have safe um, places, places where pilots can get out of the sun, get out of the heat. I mean, we talked about the location. We also picked the time. We, we picketed in August and that was plenty hot. June is still going to be hot and we need to make sure that the, we're, we're picketing early. We're picketing, we're trying to find as many shaded locations as possible. We try to get as many locations within the terminal as possible because we want the pilots to be seen. We're at four times. We have four times as many RSVPs as we have locations inside the terminal. So now we have to find a way to move those pilots 
um, and keep them safe for the full, the full length of the picket because the count matters. Getting everybody on that line at one time matters. You mentioned early on one of the things is getting guys to the briefing. At least a quarter of our pilots weren't here for the last picketing events or may not have been involved in any picketing. When you say briefing, what do you mean? Well, to have an event like this, it has to be fairly tightly controlled when we're out there on the picket line. Uh, there are liability issues. There are just, you know, safety issues. And before we stand everybody up within a picket, we need to have basically a quick introduction to what they're going to be doing, especially for people who haven't done it before. Uh, those who have, it's going to seem familiar, but there may be a logistical uh, uniqueness to it. And then how you stand, what you may or may not um, happen if somebody engages you, how to handle that. And there'll be several different uh, areas that we cover, probably in a five to 10 minute quick update or briefing to the, uh, to the membership that is there at hand and uh, to, to support them and how they're going to go be a picket member. Is that a threat or a risk for them to be standing out on the picket line and for somebody to come up and, and engage them directly? Is that something that we plan on? We've never had an issue with it before, um, it, but as we're, we're pilots, this is the what if game. So uh, what if somebody came up? Well, the good news is there's staff there to handle that directly. And uh, we have all these contingencies set up for as many things that we can possibly anticipate or have ever happened in the past. So we're covering all those bases. But again, we held four increasingly large pickets last time, culminating in a thousand people doing very similar to what we did in 2016, this that we're going to do this time. And I don't think we had a single incident of anything like that. But it's always a consideration. We didn't have an incident because the pilots took care of it. The picket captains we had took care of it. Every pilot that showed up handled those issues at the lowest possible level so that we were able to conduct these increasingly large events successfully. Um, I'd like to add one point to your uh, uh, what a picket brief is about. The other part um, that I think as we think about the pickets we conducted in 2016, what we have are the, the images. What we have are those aesthetic qualities. And so ensuring that the pilots are briefed on what a picket line is supposed to look like. And it, it, it might seem petty, but um, we work very hard coordinating a lot of um, shots with comm media and making sure that our team is prepared to get that long line of pilots. If it was on Cicero and uh, outside the Chicago airport and certainly on the uh, approach into Dallas Love on a Herb Kelleher Way. I want those signs even. I want those pilots facing forward. I don't want to see gum chewing. I don't want to see a single cell phone of someone taking a selfie. And it's no different. I mean, there's certainly plenty of military pilots. We're not expecting any type of military precision. A single pilot that is, is perhaps not focused for the, for the hour, hour and a half that we stand on the picket line on presenting the professional image uh, can really break up the visual of that line. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all, again, all part of the briefing is how we're all going to conduct this as a team. Okay. So you guys mentioned a little earlier, we talked about the RLA process just briefly. We had a podcast not too long ago with Stella Delaney, our general counsel, about the RLA process specifically. But explain to members kind of where you guys come in in that process. Our function is to, at the behest of the board and the executives, to be able to help communicate to all the various uh, audiences that we discussed earlier uh, where we are and where the sentiment of the pilot group is. Uh, and these are all fall under First Amendment rights. That, uh, for instance, this is First Amendment covered, this picket. Um, and then 
also to guard against any activities that are not uh, lawful or legal under the Railway Labor Act and whatnot, to protect the pilot group from doing things that uh, we could all be in trouble for. At most other carriers, at most other Apple carriers, strike preparedness is not a on-again, off-again committee. They're intimately involved year in and year out with, with strategic vision because you're either in negotiations or you're between negotiations. And so Brian's been here nearly as long as I have. I mean, 20 years ago, I, I couldn't have conceived of being on the strike preparedness committee. And then as things changed and the culture waned and the, the needs of the pilot group and the, I guess, the effective voice of the union needed to be sharpened, the, the Ray Plummer advocated to have the strike preparedness committee begun. And then, and I was lucky enough to join him at that outset. I, I think that strike preparedness will be an integral part and an ongoing part of uh, this union going forward, um, j just as we're part of RLA. We're the, maybe the, the dark hat group, whereas uh, family, Swapa family is the white hat group developing that unity. And then we ask the pilots to step up when it's time to assert one voice on behalf of the negotiating committee. Uh, you mentioned a little bit there about um, the First Amendment rights and, and protecting our pilots and things. Uh, speak to the pilots who are still on the fence about showing up to this event. I know it's getting close, but some people still may have apprehension about participating. What are the protections that they have to participate in a picket? And uh, are there limitations for, say, probationary pilots or anything like that? Definitely. There are groups that we absolutely need to make sure it's very clear they should not be near the picket. So who are they? On the picket line, standing with a sign, probationary pilots cannot do that. We do not want to jeopardize them in any way. They are, however, allowed to come and be support staff, helping us behind the scenes, helping other pilots, you know, delivering waters, whatever, helping direct people. That's perfectly legal, lawful. There's no jeopardy there. It should never cross a pilot's mind to call in sick for one of these events in any way, shape, or form. That is a fireable offense. We're not going to do that. Uh, those out on medical can participate. Those on military leave, provided they double-check through proper channels on the military side, can participate. Disability? Disability. Long-term? Also allowed. Check airmen? Also allowed. Um, uh, it's, it's very simple. If you're on the seniority list... And yeah. you're not on probation, yeah. and you're not calling in sick or yeah. fatigued. You are welcome on our picket line. Those are the those are the two jeopardy. I guess I have one more comment to add there. Um, anybody that's feeling any trepidation about standing the picket line, I, I want you to know that you're not standing alone. It, it's not you, pilot Joe Blow, standing the picket line. It is the pilots of Southwest Airlines Pilot Association standing together, and that is where our strength comes from. So if you've never felt more powerful than a team. And the number of stories that came out of our first four pickets were people could not believe that they were standing that picket line, but they were overjoyed they'd taken the time to do so and felt inspired to come to the next three. So let's go ahead and switch gears a little bit. And we're going to talk about the thing that strikes fear in, in pretty much everybody. What is a strike authorization vote? It is so good that you asked that question because Sometimes I think particularly within the pilot group at Southwest Airlines, there is a not a very good understanding of the difference between a strike authorization vote, sometimes called an SAV, and an actual strike. That is a critical difference, and there's an ocean between them. A strike authorization vote is simply the board of directors of SWAPA asking the pilots, how far are you willing to go if it comes to this? 
and it sends a very clear message to management and in general. It is a show of unity. It is a show of collective will, and it is a strong and final message to management. They can always refrain from ever asking for a strike vote because once the can we can we go out on strike, which is what a strike authorization vote is, they may never choose to. This is simply one more step in that direction, one more escalation in what is going on between labor and management. But it is definitely not a strike. Um, a, a strike is again is a failure of negotiations, and so each step is an opportunity to get back to negotiations. That means that the where we are now, the discussion of a strike authorization vote is a certain amount of pressure. The announcement of a strike authorization vote is a certain amount of pressure. Opening the strike authorization vote, which would involve a lot of union common participation, is a certain amount of pressure. Closing the strike authorization vote, ending it, and recording that those totals. And, and then the next day, the day after the strike authorization vote, planes are still flying, pilots are still going to work, but now the board of directors has the decision in their hands based on the will of the membership. The strike authorization vote is a clear expression of the will of the membership. And that's what the board of directors can use as another lever to empower negotiations. So I think a question that we'll get uh, from some people is, well, when's that going to happen? Why aren't we doing that now? Well, it is a long and steady process in that direction. You start with the least amount of pressure, acrimony, militancy that you can to a person. Everyone I know at Southwest Airlines within the pilot membership cares about the company. No one is here to diminish, tear down, or destroy the company, but we have only so many things we can do to get them to engage and initiate. So you start small and then you move up. And this is significantly down the line. An SAV, a strike authorization vote, is well down the line in this process. That's why we're not doing it today. You don't come out of the gate with that. SWAPA is trying to hold that off till much further in the process. Another question that uh, comes up very often in social media, so uh, you've probably seen this as well. What about the guys that say, well, they'll never let us strike or the president won't let us strike? How do you answer that question? You make me angry asking that question, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I've got a short answer in that no pilot and no union should ever respond to that question. That's the company's job to tell the passengers or the corporate investors that they'll, they'll being the government, will never let us strike. Anybody who uses that conversation is just carrying the company's water. Well, yeah, additionally, it that is not accurate on so many levels. First of all, the last time an airline tried to go out on strike was within a completely different era in the United States, in the airline industry, in the economy. No one can say never and always to any of these questions. They'll never let us go out on strike. No one knows that answer. So this environment is very unique and very different, and things may roll out very differently from a government standpoint, first of all. And then secondly, that's not the point because the message you're sending to management, Wall Street, passengers with a very strong strike authorization vote is that things have gotten this bad between labor and management at this company. And whether or not you're allowed to go out and strike ultimately, that is a powerful and useful message. 
that can lead to resolution of the of the problems. It can move people towards the negotiating table. Why is it important? Why would you say that it's important that pilots talk to their families about what's going on? Well, they'll never they'll never be a uh, a union should not expect to get an effective strike authorization vote if the employee in question, if the union member in question, does not have the support of his or her family. That's that that's unquestionably a family decision. Once again, that's one of the reasons why. Um, the Strike Preparedness Committee has spent the better part of the past four or five years um, since 2016, since this, uh, we signed the CBA, to work with a family, swap a family, to ensure that any questions that need to be asked get asked well in advance, just so that the conversation can come up. Because you certainly wouldn't want to spring a strike authorization vote on families right before Christmas. I mean, bad news before Christmas is horrible. Yeah, we, we don't know anything about 21. that, right? Um, and, and it's the kind of thing that if, if you are intending to withhold work under the protection of the union, you're going to have to find a way to pay the bills. So, every, I mean, that's that's what a strike fund is. Okay, I just want to follow on with what John said. I completely agree. I'd also like to add that we're sitting here very clinically, very mechanically talking about some extremely personal, emotional, and profound decisions. Uh, it is not taken lightly. Anyone who's looking at being involved in this at the ultimate level, which is a strike, it's terrifying. I mean, it, that's losing, it's tantamount to losing your job. So I want to make sure that our membership understands that we know this doesn't stop at you. This is your entire family that is going to be affected. And I just think that's an important thing to point out that this is always at the back of our minds that as we head this direction, thank you, management, this isn't taken lightly. No one's flippantly saying, oh, you're going to go out on strike. And I, I think that gets lost a little bit. I just want to make sure they understand. So how about for folks that want to get involved with the SPC, what advice do you have for them? Well, as far as becoming active and involved, absolutely. Um, there will always be an ongoing need for hands, helpers, people who are passionate and aligned with um, what we're trying to do. Specifically, me in Phoenix, I have been reaching out and building a, a, a just domicile-specific list of exactly those people. And as always, I'm going to, if I'm ever giving out any messaging with, with uh, SWAPA, I have, I have three words for every member. Call your rep. I don't think that's repeated enough. Everything can start by calling your domicile reps and saying, hey, how can I help? They will put you on to the right people. And if what you want to do is help with uh, SPC's type work, they'll get you in touch with the right people. Brian, Brian and I are certainly working as hard as we can to plan a successful picket. And to me, a successful picket is one that meets the needs of the negotiating committee. That would meet a new contract. If, however, um, it's hard to call it a failure, but if, however, uh, further pickets are called for, then we certainly we'll need volunteers in all of our domiciles and all of our, and perhaps even some large mega stations or commuter stations so that we can continue to apply pressure in different locations. So pilots who are interested can reach out to uh, their SPC coordinators and they're listed by domicile on the website. We'll be happy to take you on as uh, <laughs> the, the first call if uh, we have to set something up. So final question, guys, for those pilots who are listening to this podcast and they still haven't signed up for the informational picket on the 21st and they're still on the fence, what do you have to say to them? First off, I want you there. 
I think I can speak with great confidence that uh, the entire committee is working very hard to accommodate every single pilot that's available. There are a lot of pilots that are flying that day that I know would want to be at this picket. Well, I, I know because they've emailed and texted me and asked why I picked June 21st. Um, so we want you there. We want every single pilot to stand together with their fellow pilots and demonstrate clearly and unequivocally to management that we're ready for a contract and we want them to negotiate in good faith. The strength of the union comes from everybody standing together. When we amended our pickets, it was to accommodate the greatest number of pilots. And I believe that starting picket season with as many pilots as possible will help accelerate the conclusion of our negotiations, at least my part of it. I definitely agree. And we don't have to and need to think about it every day. But when you got your acceptance letter from Southwest Airlines, you joined an incredible company and we all felt amazed, amazing and, and so thrilled with that. But you also joined a second group. You joined SWAPA. You joined other pilots in standing together to make this as even better a job. And this is just one of those opportunities. This is a little bit of a responsibility, but it's a big opportunity to stand shoulder to shoulder with people and show that you're all on the same team and you're all moving in the same direction and that we are together because this doesn't work unless we're all moving together. Thanks to John and Brian for taking time to talk to us about the SPC and why it's such an important tool in the negotiating committee's arsenal. The work they do definitely helps move the needle in the room. And as always, remember that if you have any feedback for us at all, please drop us a line at com at swapa.org. We really do want to hear from you. Finally, today's bonus number is 8, as in 8 a.m. Central Time. That's the time your SPC will be holding the picketing briefing at the Dallas Renaissance Hotel. We look forward to seeing you there. If you haven't signed up yet to join your fellow pilots, go to swapa.org and sign up. There's still room for you. All right, best forward speed now, Quiddle Land Southwest 1528. Thank you.